Welcome to the Science of Growth Podcast, where you'll be captivated by the fascinating world of personal development. Raymond Rivera shares dynamic insights, captivating personal accounts, and explorations into the halls of mental growth. Now sit back, brace yourself, and be transformed by the rewiring of your mind. Welcome to episode number eight of the Science of Growth podcast. I am your host, Raymond Rivera, MBA. Now today is going to shock your whole belief system. Before we dive in, a quick update. My new book, The Circular Continuum, Paradigm Shift Manifesto, is now out on Kindle, paperback, and hard copy. The audio version is coming soon, so stay tuned. This podcast is meant to be a digital delivery system of timeless and continuous value. It's free of charge, but it's not just a podcast. It is a masterclass on individual and organizational expansion. It is a catalyst in human and organizational development. And as we journey together in this continuum of migration and fusion, you have a responsibility to yourself and to the people that depend on you to accelerate your growth, to be the leader that you are meant to be and to impact the world the way you are meant to impact it. This is not just about how you feel, but it's about what you are about to do. And this masterclass, today's episode, is about to cause a seismic shift in your life. So buckle up. Do you want to turn your business dream into a reality? Renaissance Business Coaching can help. Our team of experienced coaches will work with you one-on-one to craft the perfect blueprint for success. Launch your business in no time with expert business coaching and financial planning. With our team at your side, you'll have the support and resources you need to reach your goals faster. Don't delay. Contact Renaissance Business Coaching at 502-305-3545 or email us at contact at rgfleadership.com. Mention the science of growth for 50% off your next service. Now back to the podcast. Okay, quick disclaimer. My thoughts are my thoughts. I'm not the spokesman for anyone else other than Raymond Rivera, my family, and my business. So remember, be wise when you listen to me, okay? Eat the watermelon and spit out the seeds. And if the seeds are good enough for you, then by all means, eat the whole thing. But choose wisely when you listen to me, okay? Especially on this one. This is going to be a doozy. Today's episode is called The Devil Inside of Us. I named it this because, yes, there is a devil inside of us all. It's that sinister voice that we often listen to. It doesn't necessarily sound dark at times, but sometimes it does. As we live out our lives as if we are in a movie, This force that I am going to uncover, the one that I am exposing, is the devil. But these drastic claims are only viewed this way because of the constraints that we create based on what we believe. This hypnosis is created through the conscious impressions brought into your mental environment. Initially, most people would think that this is an insinuation that good and evil is within us all. This is, once again, not a moral issue. This is an objective reality, subjectively lived out in all of us. I write about this in chapter 8 of my book, The Circular Continuum, and I have spoken about this in the podcast, 
But I am dedicating this episode solely to the topic so that I can put this in greater context and discuss how this devil inside of us is not only in all of us as people, but it is a character in every movie that we are watching. There is a devil inside of us, but that devil takes many different forms. Matter of fact, wherever you are right now, whether you're in the Middle East, whether you're in Central America, whether you're in the United States, or wherever you are on the globe, most likely whenever you hear the word devil, a vision or a symbol probably popped up in your mind as a packed thought form or an archetype of the representation of evil. Think of a packed thought form as a symbol or a container of compressed energy. It's like a box filled with compressed packaging materials inside of it, packed together and tighter and tighter so that the space can be filled and fully utilized. Well, in this thought realm, there is no physical space because the mind is not physical. So we create these symbols and associate different thoughts with them. These packed thought forms are highly dense pieces of information that become representations of extreme emotions and or feelings. So devil may carry with it in your mind a view or a symbol of a packed thought form containing traumatic or bad experiences, but that's okay. That is how your mental faculties have been conditioned. But that is not the original intention of the word devil. And there it is again, speaking to you, telling you that I don't know what I'm talking about, and it's trying to convince you right now of something. But let me explain everything that I'm talking about, okay? Let me explain. Let's start with the etymology of the word devil. It started off as a pretty ambiguous term evolving throughout the years, but starting from the meaning to throw across. That's right, to throw across. Now, the reason I am using the Bible as an example in this podcast is because of two reasons. One, there are millions of people that can relate to it. And two, it is the most common piece of literature I can reference when I'm unpacking this philosophical structure I'm about to present to you. I will talk Synchronicity later. But first, the New Testament was written in Greek and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. This is very important for the common man. I want you to understand what I'm telling you, but we need to understand the context. This is the purpose of why I'm telling you this. The Hebrew was translated into Greek via a document called the Septuagint. So the Greeks could understand the Hebrew. This is why they did that. Eventually, we all learned English, and then we made these words into our own understanding of them, and the cycle remains. So the Greek word used for devil in a scripture in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, the Greek word is diabolos. Now I'm going to dig deeper into this chapter very soon. The term is derived as a verb not a noun. If you are not familiar with conducting a proper exegesis or a breakdown of the text, it's very important in discovering the true meaning behind what we see. Solving these intricate equations is a skill set that is directly applicable to business. The devil eventually became a noun based on the verb, which means to throw across, 
or to slander. In classical Greek, diabolos was used to describe someone who makes accusations or slanders other people. The context of the word is used multiple times as nouns, as verbs, and even adjectives in the Hebrew text. This means, unfortunately for some, that the devil's original meaning was used as a symbol of variance. It became a person, a place, or a thing, symbolizing and causing division or distraction from the goal or the target. I'm going to come back to this word variance and speak correspondence in life and in business later on. If you're a business owner or a business professional, trust me, you will want to hear this. Now let's talk another word, sin. The accuser or symbol of variance, drawing us away from the target or the goal that we set, is often associated with the word sin. Originally, the concept of sin in its ancient forms, particularly in Hebrew tradition, was closely tied to the idea of missing the mark or failing to meet a particular standard or expectation. It is used to depict an archer shooting at a target and missing. Sin wasn't necessarily tied to a sense of inerrant evil or malevolence. Are you hearing me? Rather, it was more about a failure to act correctly according to a given set of guidelines or standards. Now, in Christianity, you are to live as Jesus. If you shoot for that target, you are going to miss it every single time. You are shooting in the dark, guaranteed. But also, yes, he was without sin. Because whenever he focused on a target, he went after that target with a relentless mindset and he never missed it. Give me an example where that wasn't the case. He was always laser focused in every endeavor, in every goal he had, even unto his own death. Also from the perspective of Jesus, the Pharisees were the offspring of the adversary, the main accuser, the devil inside of him. Let me explain why that controversial statement holds credence. And stay with me, okay? To some people, Matthew 4 was a literal analogy of a scenario. But I see this differently, and here is why. The Greek word used at the outset of Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 is pneuma which at its root is a verb, also known as the breath of life, often translated in theological texts as pneuma in Greek, or ruach in Hebrew, signifying the Holy Spirit. Now this guiding force, typically portrayed as part of the triune divine nature, is commonly linked to the human imagination. It is reasonable to assume, based on various literatures, that the spirit is linked to the mental faculties in man, one being the imagination. So Jesus is taken up into this high mountain in the story where the adversary speaks to Jesus and tempts him, telling him to serve the devil or the paradigm instead of God. Let's view this through the lens of correspondence, or what Carl Jung called synchronicity. The allegory is right in front of us. Human intuition, a mental faculty, 
represented by the hero in the story, is counterbalanced by the villain, an archetypical figure, in this case, the devil. That is a representation of our prior programming before a paradigm shift takes place. I have to throw this in also, okay? If you have to listen back to this podcast, which I expect you to, over and over again, go ahead. That's only if you want a revolution, that is. If you want a renaissance in your mind, go back and listen to this again. Now, there's two more words that we have to look at here. Variance and sword. Now, the word variance comes from the Latin varantia, meaning difference, or also referred to as delta in business. In a biblical context, it's often used to describe discord or conflict among people. And the sword, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, causing division. Now this sword, as referenced by Jesus, caused division or variance, while the devil also brought division or variance. But each had different goals. So division itself wasn't and isn't a characteristic of a devil only. You see, Jesus brought division, but he wasn't a devil, was he? No, he wasn't. So here it is. The goal of the entity, whether a person or an organization, exposes archetypical representations of two sides that we often call good and evil, but they are subjective to the perspective of the viewer. See, religion has bamboozled us all. We have branched away from the original meaning of the words I'm talking about here. Okay, I'm going to bring this to its most basic components. The Cliff Notes version. The devil equals the accuser that misguides you or draws you away from the target. Sin equals the actions that are taken that are misaligned with the target, often instigated by the devil or the accuser. This has nothing to do with religion. Zero. The law of conservation of energy states that energy is neither created nor destroyed, that it is only transformed. Every problem has a solution. Truthfully, the problem doesn't actually exist. It's only the absence of having a solution. Just as darkness is the absence of light. Wow. But what's the catalyst? What sets everything in motion? A target? A goal? A standard? But there is one word missing here, and that is faith. But when I looked at the English, the French, the Greek, and the Hebrew, they all pointed in the same direction and the same meaning. They pointed to trust, to loyalty, to firmness, to confidence. But trust, loyalty, firmness, and confidence in what? A target, a goal, and a standard. But then the question remains, who sets the standard? Who sets the target, the goal, and the standard? You do. So faith is worked out through action toward your goal, while sin is action not done in faith. Actually, sin is action done in the absence of faith. I'm going to say that again. 
Sin is action done in the absence of faith. Faith is personified through the mouthpiece of intuition in the human being. Whereas sin is personified through the mouthpiece of paradigm. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, once you set the standard, the goal, or the target, there is a devil that rises up inside of you to tell you that it isn't sufficient, to tell you that you're subpar, that you're a failure. And since we fail to look internally, we often depict these villains or devils to be external entities or packed thought forms as symbols of the voice that is inside of us. Now, in chapter eight of the circular continuum, I call these the laws of combat. I write that the voice of paradigm is the devil inside of you. This isn't about what's going on outside of you. This is about what's going on inside of you. The equation is simple once you get it. Establishing your goal, your worthy ideal, ignites the nucleus of the B sort that begins gaining traction building upon itself as you produce more thoughts, feelings, and actions in alignment with it. Once you do this, a devil rises up as the personification of your meta-paradigm, leading you to act in sin, which are actions against that goal. Now, if your meta-paradigm is merged with your dark side and it controls your actions beyond your awareness of them, then you are in danger of having your house spiritually overrun by entities that you created internally. They become literal forces of energy drawing you away from even establishing a goal for a better life and fulfilling your own personal development. Furthermore, just as you build upon the nucleus of the goal, situationally, the nucleus of the meta-paradigm may be so large, it may be so strong, that you have become it. The goal not only exposes the paradigm, but it unleashes the voice of intuition, which is that short and profound voice. It is powerful in its brief wordplay and beautiful in its intention. It is the voice of universal intelligence localized inside of you, as above, so below, as within, so without. Now, business must have a goal also. If your goal in business is 30% increases in revenue year over year, just as an example, then you must align with what that picture looks like. What thoughts should your business have? What feelings and actions lead to the realization of this goal? What is the paradigm or the current state that's preventing the progressive realization of that goal? Is it a leader? Is it another organization? Here's an example. If you play sports, let's say you play sports. Your goal is to practice your jump shot. And you know that you need to stay an extra 30 minutes to practice it. But as soon as you make that decision, a voice comes and it tells you, no, you don't. A voice arises to keep you in that state of comfort. Another example, your alarm clock goes off at 5 a.m. And your new morning routine is to now work out at 5.30 to be at the gym at 5.30 on the dot. You set the alarm the day prior and you're motivated. You're zealous about this new life that you're set to embark on. And once you open your eyes, you hear a voice. Just a little bit more rest. It's only going to be 15 to 30 minutes. 
you're going to have a rough day today. You're going to need to relax today. Matter of fact, why don't you just start tomorrow? No one is going to know. And you press the snooze button. You miss the opportunity to set the nucleus in motion that day. You missed the target because you listened to that devil inside of you. Your goal is to write a book. But once you set that goal, negotiation begins. That voice says, who's going to listen to you? How are you ever going to do that? No one is going to listen to you. You're just a broken down kid from Chicago. And then you back off. Yes, I know about this because I've been through it. Multiple times. Millions of people are taking this blue pill every single day. And they live in a never-ending cycle. Something that I call the paradigm phase in a circular continuum. I challenge you now. Set your goal. Establish your target. Ignore the voice of the devil. And as you align with your goal and your target, that voice will eventually dissipate. So in summary, I've covered the devil inside of you, speaking through your paradigm, often depicted as the villain externally. I've covered sin, the action taken against the goal, instigated by your paradigm or the devil. I've covered Jesus, also known as the savior inside of you, speaking through your intuition, often depicted as the hero externally. Faith, the action taken in support of your goal, instigated by your intuition, or God inside of you. I've covered variance, the divisive metric or symbol that signifies the difference between current and the goal states. I've covered goals. The igniter of change. In the circular continuum, in my book, The Wall Within, GOAL is an acronym. It stands for get out and live. And if you have not set a goal that forces you to get out of your comfort zone, then it is not big enough. Now, if you've lasted this long and you find value in this podcast, I want you to like and subscribe. Share this with your friends. Leave comments and contact me for further insight. I encourage you to pick up my new book, The Circular Continuum, released on Amazon in September. The audiobook is going to be released soon. I want to thank Steve Schaefer for all of his time and his energy in the audiobook. Great voice. I look forward to hearing it more and hearing your feedback. Now, until the next episode, I encourage you all to continue in the growth mindset. Practice dynamism. Set goals and continue building upon them. Follow me on social media and visit my newly released website at RaymondRivera.me. You know how this goes. Be brilliant, be brief, and be gone. Have a great week.